Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. Feast day of St. Ambrose of Milan. Pray for us. St. Ambrose of Milan was one of the great church fathers. In fact, one of the four early great church fathers. And he's not only a father of the church, he's he's also now a doctor of the church. There's only 37 doctors in in the Catholic faith. He's one of the 37 doctors of the Catholic church, a great defender of the faith. He was a great orator, a great preacher. Uh, He's the one that received St. Augustine into the church. In fact, it was his preaching that changed the heart and mind of St. Augustine that brought St. Augustine back from his wayward ways back into the Catholic church. Uh, you know, St. Ambrose of Milan, he died in 397 AD. He's considered one of the four greatest doctors of the church. Uh, and he's also one of the great forces that fought against Arianism. That was a heretical movement by Father Arius of Alexandria, who was teaching that Jesus Christ did not share the same nature as the Father. Uh, Bishop uh, St. Ambrose opposed him at the Council of Nicaea. And we got that great creed that we've been praying since 325 A.D. called the Nicene Creed. St. Ambrose, pray for us. Also want to invite you uh, Catholics out there in Phoenix. Tonight I'm going to be holding a rosary rally in front of the Arizona Financial Theater. You're going to have drag queens that are going to blaspheme. And they're going to make fun of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Family. They're calling it a Christmas drag event. There is no such thing. Because without Christ, there is no Christmas. So tonight, I'll be there from 7.30 to 9 p.m. We'll be praying about four rosaries. Praying St. Michael the Archangel prayers, Psalm 91. These are exorcism prayers. We're going to be praying prayers of reparation to repair the damage for the filth that's going to be coming out of their mouth. And we're also going to be praying prayers asking God to to give them the grace of conversion because many of the people that are going to be attending and maybe even many of the actors are baptized Catholics or Protestants and we want to stir up in them uh, the graces that they have received through the laying on of hands. And so our prayers are going to have a twofold purpose, making reparation for the blasphemies and sacrilege against our Lord and Our Lady. And number two, also asking our, our, our Divine Lord to give the people there whose eyes are blinded to the world uh, that God would give them the grace of conversion. Paul, how are you, my friend? Jess, happy to be here. Uh, hey, I'm listening to you. I'm listening yeah. to you comment on Saint Ambrose, and it sounds like the church has a long history of uh, of uh, warriors who rise up to defend the truth and to stand firm. So I think uh, I think we're on solid ground here. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I, hey, at least we're trying to, bro. At least, at least we know. Uh, uh, at least we the markers have been laid down for us, so to speak. Yeah, we might not be doc. We might we not be. We excuse me. We might not be doctors of the church, but hey, we are uh, in there contending for the faith. That's right. Hey, we're, and we're doctors with common sense, by the way, which is all you need. <laughs> you know. Amen. Amen. Hey, let, Paul, I want to talk about a movie that just came out. It's called 1946. It's a movie that's obviously promoting homosexuality. So. The gist of the movie, and there's a good article written on it, but the gist of the movie in 1946 is that this pro-LGBT documentary is blaming the anti-gay movement amongst Christians 
as the grave mistranslation of the Revised Standard Version of the Bible, which came out in 1946. So that's why it's called 1946. Well, that settles it then. I guess we need to, uh, <laughs> we all need to repent from that error and then uh, normalize uh, the LGBTQ agenda. That's right. You want to pick it up right there, Paul, where it says Director Sharon Rocky? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Director Sharon Rocky Rogio's film, 1946, The Mistranslation That Shifted Culture, claims that the word homosexual was never meant to be in the Bible, and its and its inclusion has created a justification for claiming that homosexual acts are sinful. Bible translators used the term homosexual for the first time in the 1946 translation of the RSV, a version translated by Protestant biblical scholars and accepted with the minimum number of alterations by Catholics in 1965. The film released Friday argues that the rendering of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, using the term homosexuals to translate the Greek word arsenokoitai, fueled the Christian anti-gay movement that still thrives today. The filmmakers argue that the Apostle Paul is not referring to homosexuals in this first epistle to the church in Corinth, hence our Senequoitai should be trans boys or is Paul there? Okay, let me pick it up. I don't hear Paul. The filmmakers claim the RSV's nineteen seventy one edition altered the translation from homosexuals to sexual perverts. But by then the damage was done hundreds of millions of Bibles with the allegedly wrong translation had been published. Are you there, Paul? Yes, I am. I, I'm, again, uh, I, 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 so, picked up where, I picked it up where you went off. Pick it up where he says, okay. it is an indictment of serial unrepentant participants in an act. Pick it up after this. In a press release, the filmmakers announced, while other yeah. documentaries have been successful in their attempt to treat the symptom of homophobia in the church, 1946 is working to diagnose and treat the disease. Biblical literalism. Go ahead and pick it up, Paul. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Rogio uses the film to tell the story of how her pastor father responded with a letter full of Bible verses imploring her to repent and forsake her sexual behavior when he discovered she was a lesbian. She asserts, prior to even knowing about the 1946 mistranslation, I was led to it because I knew I needed to use scripture to be able to have a, con a conversation with my parents to affirm my reality and my identity. Hmm. I, I was raised, raised... Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was raised in a loving home, the daughter of a Christian pastor who believes being gay is a sin, the director adds. I can't compromise my conviction. The film director's pastor father responds in the film. The documentary traces the journey of Ed Oxford, an advocate and gay man who grew up a Southern Baptist as they dig through the archives at the Yale Sterling uh, Memorial Library. There they discovered correspondence between the head of the translation committee and a gay seminary student, Reverend David S., in which the committee head concedes 
that the committee made a mistake in translation. Take it away, Jess. <laughs> Robert Gagnon, he's a scholar, a New Testament scholar, who's regarded as the, mo- as the world's most prominent academic on the biblical interpretation of texts prohibiting homosexuality. He told CM that he had responded in detail to the film's arguments. Robert Gagnon, mm. Professor Gagnon, author of The Bible and Homosexual Practice, Text and Hermeneutics, dismissed the documentary's claims as, quote, as one of the most badly argued attempts at discerning the meaning of arsenokoitai in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, that I have seen. That's the word that's mm. translated homosexual, and we'll talk about it. Uh, Professor Robert Gagnon says, this is not terribly surprising since it, since it is not written by someone with expertise in exegeting biblical text. Uh, Robert Gagnon, the professor, laments arguing that the terms refers to, quote, all men. So he's talking about the word arsenicotoi refers to all men as the active penetrating partner have sex with a male. The first part of the word Greek, the Greek word is arsen. That means with a male. Where, the, where, where male can refer to an adult or minor, irrespective but not exclusive of innate desires for males. Robert Gagnon, the professor that's an expert in this area, says it is an indictment of serial unrepentant participants in an act, not a consignment to hell simply for the mere experience of unwanted homosexual desire. This New Testament scholar traces the words clear connections to the Levitical prohibitions of male to male intercourse, explaining the compound Greek word here, and he does a great job. Arsenokoitai is formed from the Greek words for number one, lying, that's kamai, and male, arsen. Okay? So the word is a the word is a neologism created from terms used in the Greek Septuagint translation of the Hebrew Bible. Uh, Levitical prohibitions of men lying with a male. And it basically Mm. borrows the same phraseology from Leviticus 18.22, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. This argument that the left is making, Paul, has been refuted over and over again. And uh, Mm. uh, New Testament scholar Robert Gagnon says, had a more limited meaning been intended, for example, pederasts, there's already a Greek word for that. It's mm-hmm. pyderastai, which means lover of boys, or pydomani, which means men mad for boys, or pydophoraithai, which means corrupter of boys. Those words could have been used in the New Testament, but they were not. So Robert Gagnon, th- this scholar, excoriates a previous book on which the movie's based as a tendentious, uh, tendentious and uninformed work that tells us more about what they, the authors, wished Jesus would have said and the writers of Scripture uh, had said rather than, they, than, than they, what, what they actually said. Yeah, that, there, there's a yeah. term for that. It's called, uh, when you read back uh, into the text, your presupposition. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, that, that's exactly what they're doing. It's called eisegesis, reading back into the text, your already presupposed notion of what you want it to say. We'll continue on this, and we got some comments to make. I got a lot of comments to make on this. Jesus 9 Woman, stick around. Now. 
Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, we're back. Take it away, Paul. Okay. On Friday, pro-LGBT Jesuit Father James Martin tweeted an article from The Guardian, a left-wing British newspaper, commending the documentary. Prominent Protestant apologist Dr. James White responded to Martin's tweet by noting that he had challenged the, few, the filmmakers to debate and thesis in, mo uh, in moderated public debate. This argument has been refuted over and over again. Martin's promotion of such a ridiculous attempt says much about his true views. It's, hey, Jess, no surprise that James White was all over that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> for those that don't, for those that don't know, uh, James White is a reformed Christian. He's probably the best debater that Protestants have. He's he, he likes to debate. I think he likes to listen to himself. Uh, his sister. Converted to the Catholic faith, by the way, uh, as a result of listening to his debates and scrutinizing his brother's words line by line. And she just started doing research on the fathers that he would quote. She confronted her brother and said, uh, you, you're my hero. You've been my hero for years. I've been watching you debate for years. And I've been I've been following on all your uh, your I've been following up on all your arguments and reading the sources that you quote. And she said, brother. You've been misquoting these Catholic sources, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and and she she basically said my brother is dishonest when he quotes the church father. Yes, yeah, he he yes. Uh, he, uh, James White is an expert at what you would call a yeah uh, 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 winning an argument. <laughs> yeah, w yeah, winning an argument. <laughs> That's it, and and uh, it's it's all cherry picking, cherry picking. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he uh, it, uh, it, it, he'll he'll it's like a Jehovah's Witness could make. Uh, the fathers of the church sound like they're they're against the Trinity. James White does the same thing, but good for him on this issue. Yeah. We stand with yeah. him because on yeah. this one, uh, we stand shoulder to shoulder with him opposing this this yeah. uh, diabolical confusion entering Christianity. Yeah, yeah. So James White, you know, usually the facts are all against him, so he has much difficulty, and he does uh, a pretty good job, humanly speaking, at basically twisting the facts and confusing confusing the facts but in this case i call this low-hanging fruit he's all over it <laughs> yes 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 uh, yeah uh and okay and the fact that pope francis seems to be more than happy to promote martin says much about the direction of rome today he adds martin also uploads the article to his website outreach an, L an LGBTQ Catholic resource, which claims to have assembled some of the world's most renowned biblical scholars, as well as LGBTQ advocates, to answer questions on homosexuality in the Bible. Catholics are neither literalists or fundamentalists, Martin's resource notes. One response to what are often called uh, clobber verses is to see them in their historical context and remember that even devout Christians shouldn't do everything that Old Testament the old that the Old Testament commands. Likewise, for the epistles in the New Testament, he explains, <clears throat> uh, the English Standard Version, a recent evangelical translation now widely adopted in the English-speaking world by multiple Catholic bishops' conferences, has retained the reference to homosexuality in its translation of 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. It reads, 
Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The ESV explains in a footnote that the two Greek terms translated by this phrase refer to the passive and active partners in consensual homosexual acts. Comments, Paul, since we're not solo scriptura, what would you say about this whole, uh, how would you sum this up for Catholics? <laughs> yeah, you know, Jess, first of all, we are not solo scriptura people. We don't hinge our our ideology uh, on one single translation of a word. The church, the Catholic Church teaches, we have something called sacred tradition, Jess, as you well know, and sacred tradition uh, uh, the church led, uh, by the way, by the Holy Spirit that Christ said, uh, I will send you the helper. He will guide you in all truth. So the church has always taught these, um, uh, 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 you know, that homosexuality is a, uh, like you said before, a sin that cries out to heaven. And um, I, again, you can find things to um, uh uh, cooperate what I'm talking about. There are many, there are near, I, I would say a plethora, and that might be an exaggeration of verses in the scripture that address this issue. But I would have one question, Jess, has, have they ever heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? Uh, you know, that's, that's one thing I would ask. Uh, you know, uh, another thing that I would say is, um, you know, Let's look at it from a, a, a you know a, a, an understanding of Genesis when God commands and says, "Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth." Hmm. Uh, how can they even um, uh, so fulfill Sodom, God's command? Sodomy can't fulfill that uh, that divine mandate. Yes, uh, uh, <laughs> the race would die out if if if, if everybody were homosexual. Yes, and um, lesbians. Exactly. We would depopulate yeah. within a generation. Yeah. Yep. So so it's like I said, it just doesn't hinge on one verse. It is, you know, uh like everything. It's like the domino effect. If you try to change one thing, everything else just falls apart. The scripture, you know, uh, you know, you know, is complete and it all supports itself. Yeah. I'd say that uh both old and new testament, the scriptures it uh, definitely speaks out against sodomy, homosexual practices, without a doubt. The sacred tradition of the church has always taught that. And also the yep. magisterium of the church, the, what's called the perennial teachings, that's the, the Pope and union with the bishops, have always spoken out against this. So the Catholic Church stands on a three-legged stool, not a one-legged. Protestants stand, sit on a one-legged stool, solo scriptura. How can mm -hmm. you sit on a one-legged stool? You're going to fall down. It's like a top, mm -hmm. like a... Yeah. But the Catholics, we sit on a three-legged stool. It's a firm foundation. Sacred scripture, sacred tradition, the eternal magisterium of the Catholic Church. Also, even in the New Catechism admits what I've just said. Paragraph 1867, the Catechism says, quote, The catechetical tradition also recalls that there are sins that cry to heaven, i.e., mm -hmm 
the blood of Abel, murder, i.e., the sin of the Sodomites, uh, the cry of the oppressed in Egypt, and the cry of the foreigner. So yes. that's the the church says this is the cate. It doesn't say it's the biblical tradition. It said it's the yeah. catechetical tradition, which means this is a tradition that's been carried orally for two thousand years. Now, there are three main versions of the Bible for Catholics in English. So let me read the three main versions, okay? And it's uh, it's all their attempt to uh, to translate the Greek word arsenokotai, okay? So. The Dewey Reams Bible, that's, that's more the Bible that was used prior to 1965 around the world. The Dewey Reams says this, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Know that, you are, know, that you, know that you not that the unjust shall not possess the kingdom of God. Do not err. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor liars with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor railers, nor extortioners shall possess the kingdom of God. So the Greek word arsenokotai is, is, uh, is, is um, translated in the Dewey Reims as nor liars with, men, with mankind. In other words, men that lie with mankind. Nor liars, L-I-E-R-S, with mankind. Kind of a, you know, Shakespearean way of saying it so most people don't understand. Now, the New American Bible, which is the one that the U.S. bishops have promoted post-1965, it says, and it, it, uh, it translates arsenokotai, the following, and I actually like, like the way it says it because it's right on spot on. It says, do you not know that the unjust will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor boy prostitutes, nor sodomites, mm. nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. So the yeah. New American Bible, it just, I mean, it's just precise in the translation on this word. Now, what's, uh, what's, uh, what does the RSV say? The RSV, which is in, in the, it's quoted here in this article, the RSV quotes it, and I'm looking for it. It quote, it's, it, it said, it uses the word homosexuality. So the word homosexuality, the, the RSV says, the Catholic RSV, those nor men who practice homosexuality. The Catholic New American Bible says uh, the, sin of the, uh, the sin of sodomites, nor the sodomites. And the Dewey Reams says those that lie, men with li that lie with men. It, it, it all comes hmm. from the same word. So how do we interpret this word? Simple. The tradition of the church, number one. Yes. And also, Paul, natural law. Natural Amen. law tells us. Amen. I mean, even even uh, President uh, uh, Biden, he has, he has, he he. Well, it's funny. He got a Satanist, Doctor Deskalaskis. He's a young Satanist, who's the he's basically the uh, the chair for monkeypox, the monkeypox czar yeah. under Biden. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a practicing homosexual and a Satanist. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this is such a problem. The STDs well, that come from this this type of lifestyle that this oh. White House has even even assigned uh, a, a director to oversee this nationally. Yes, who yes, happens yes. to be a Satanist? So, so, so the the CDC basically says that uh, when we're talking about HIV in the United States, that roughly two percent of the, uh, the the population that is male homosexuals. Right. Um, they are, they are, um, they have 
almost 60 percent of the uh, HIV cases in America. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, this two percent of the population that has 60 percent of this 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 sexually transmitted disease, you know, they want to, you know, you know, get rid of the stigma that it's a gay disease. When you look in Africa and countries like Africa where AIDS is prevalent, you know what? And they say, well, why is it spreading so bad in Africa? It's because of sex. Uh, it's the sexual promiscuity in Africa is off the charts. And so, you know, suffice to say that this disease that has been afflicting us in the modern uh, era is a result of sexual immorality of all types, but specifically people who engage in homosexual activity. And that's uh, for obvious reasons, because the fluids and the bloods and so forth that are transferred through the vile act, which is basically using the body for something that God never intended it to be used that way. And so as a result, they suffer the penalty for the sin that is in their, uh, you know, um, you know, that they that they choose to express. So what they reap what they sow. Hold that thought, brother. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. The forces on the left just came out with a movie called 1946 where they are saying that uh, you know the body of Christ, Christianity purposefully mistranslated 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. As you've seen, that is absolutely categorically false. My, uh, my closing remarks before we move on to the next topic, Paul, I would just say this, that uh, I, I looked at another Greek dictionary right now during the break. I got Thayer's Greek-English lexicon, of the New Testament, I looked that one up. It says, Arsenokotai, a male who lies with a male as with a female, a sodomite. And the last mm. thing that I would say is this. What this documentary is trying to teach, Paul, is what I would call worldly wisdom or devilish, yes. w- devilish wisdom. It says devilish yes. wisdom. Yes. And w- can I back up what I'm saying? James 3.15. This wisdom of the world is not such as comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. Mm. So the the Bible says the wisdom of the world is devilish. This documentary, 1946, is devilish wisdom intended to confuse the low-information, low-hanging-fruit Christian, and this is... These are doctrines of demons that they're promoting, Paul. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Jess, and I'll just add 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and following. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Amen. Just that says it all. That says it all. Listen, Mm. there is a lust out there. When you understand 
homosexuality, when you really understand, and we've dealt with it many times, just uh, professionally and things, uh, the promiscuity behind it, the the high suicide rate when people, you know, uh, embrace that lifestyle. It is a sad lifestyle, and the world turns a blind. The mutilation that occurs now, uh, you know, with people who want to change their gender and their sex, these are all people who are in rebellion to a holy God who say who, who who say to God God your your providence that you made me male uh you know uh, uh I, I I choose not to be that I choose mm. to be something else I choose to mm. um yeah just like when you follow Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits just step back and look at everything and you'll clearly see, like you said, these are doctrines of demons and people who promote these things are blind and they are the blind leading the blind. Yep. And and and, and also when uh, in first Corinthians chapter six, when you go to verse 12 and following after St. Paul lists all these sins of the flesh or what we, would, what we would call mortal sins as Catholics, then yes. St. Paul says this. Check this out. He says. That is what some of you used to be. Amen. But now you have you you have had yourselves washed. That's baptized. You were sanctified. That was that's baptism. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Close quote. So notice the following verse 12, St. Paul, he says, This that is what some of you used to be Corinthians. That indicate right. that these Corinthians he's talking to are no longer involved in these sexual sins. So how right. did these Corinthians break these sinful practices? Did they go to a psychologist? Did they go to a psychiatrist? <laughs> did they go to a, a, th- a therapist? No, it was through the power of Jesus Christ. It was through the Preach power it, of the church. It was through the power of prayer. It was through the power of the sacraments. They broke their sinful chains and Jesus Christ set them free without a psychiatrist Amen, and a psychologist. Amen, brother. Listen, uh, if the sun shall make you free, Jess, you shall be free indeed. Sacred <laughs> Scripture tells us, put to death the deeds of the flesh. And how do we do that? By the power of the Spirit. You see, to, God gave us the power to become sons of God. All you have to do is cooperate with his grace. And you can you can, you can, can uh, take... Uh, you can cha- transform your life. You can become conformed to the image of Christ and not the image of the world. Amen. Paul, let's move on to another topic. There's there's right. a, a, a friend of mine who's probably the best defender on paper of tradition in the world right now. His mm. name's Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. By the way, he's good friends with Scott Hahn. They're very good friends, and they, and they work together. They actually they work together Um and Dr. Kwasniewski, what I like about him is this, is that he, he very respectfully, when he sees an error from a priest, a bishop, or the Pope, the Holy Father, he'll call them out in it, but he'll come at them with academic uh, arguments. In other words, and he does it like a son to a father, like a son correcting his father who's got a drinking problem. So my hat's off to Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. He just came out with a two-volume work, two probably like 800 pages, okay? Mm. Uh, it, it, the, 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 the volumes, that one and two, are called The Road from Hyperpapalism to Catholicism. And what he says there, 
he that was me 20 years ago i was a hyper papalist mm. and so i him and me have gone through the same journey so this article really touched me because i was there the, well jess why don't why don't you explain what is a hyper papalist paul in in the hispanic culture it just it just the tradition of the hispanic culture like the philippine culture is that we have a very high view of, of, of the clergy. Very high. Mm -hmm. You'll find Hispanics, you know, south, not over here in, in the U.S. so much, but south of the border, they'll see a priest, they'll kiss his, his finger, they'll kiss his hand, or a mm -hmm. bishop. They'll bow their head. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's almost, uh, to be honest, you know, amongst the Hispanic community south of the border, all the way to, the, to Brazil, uh, they're, 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 we almost deify the clergy. We do. Yeah, and so, yeah. and so, we, we, that's why it was so difficult for a lot of Hispanics to wrap their mind around Father Maciel Marcel from Mexico, the founder of the Legionnaires of Christ, who was a serial predator, and Hispanic. No, not, not he's a holy man. No, no, he walks on water. And then when we found out, when more and more evidence started coming concretely, and we're saying, "Wow, was mm. I fooled by?" Because well, he spoke Orthodox, he wrote Orthodox, he preached Orthodox, but he was a serial predator. And so a hyper-papalist is somebody who holds a view of the Pope that we should only hold of Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay? Only yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ is so, sinless and perfect. And, 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 and a hyper-papalist like I was is somebody who, who refuses to see the areas, the sinful areas of a particular bishop or a pope or say, no, nah, no, nah, not a chance. It's impossible. That, that would be yeah. my simple blue-collar definition. Yeah, you know, um, uh, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to hold the clergy in high esteem, but like you said, you have to know the faith, right? If you're uninformed, if you think that any particular clergy person somehow walks on water and he can't sin, well, then you're sadly mistaken. Uh, they need to go to confession just as the rest of us need to go to confession. But uh, so we're not talking about any degree of impeccability uh, with the Pope. We're simply saying that, uh, I guess that, you know, um, the Pope uh, is capable of error. And when he is in error, we have to lovingly, uh, you know, uh, refuse to obey him in that error or correct him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Krasniewski is doing. Uh -huh. uh, let me quote some of the things that jump out at me from this article. He, he um, yeah, he, he, ever since Pope Francis took office, he writes, there's been an ongoing reflection on the nature of the papal office, its limits and its duties. People are at a loss as to how a pope can undermine the very teachings he's called to preserve and defend. Many Catholics yes. agonize over the tension between true and filial obedience towards the Holy Father and our loyalty towards the teachings of our Lord. I think I think uh, Peter Krasniewski just described you and I right there, Paul, that last mm -hmm. sentence. Mm -hmm. Grappling with this problem, the traditionalist website, 1 Peter 5, just launched a new project discussing this very topic by pointing out, quote, one error above others, which seems to be at the, at the root of our current crisis, is the false spirit of Vatican I. Mm -hmm. This false spirit, meaning a false interpretation of said council, goes by many names. Hyper-papalism, neo-ultramontanism, extreme ultramontanism, or my personal favorite, hyper-uber-ultramontanism. It, it basically right. means uh, holding... Uh, 
uh, the highest view of the Pope, almost deifying him. That's what it really means. You can't, mm-hmm. there's no fault in him in, in anything he says or does. The website launched this project in light of Dr. Kwasniewski's work and his new publications. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski has been throughout this papacy a learned, calm, devout, and courageous voice helping us to steer through these tumultuous waters. Two of his latest books that have been very helpful from are from Benedict to, P- to Peace to Francis's War and a collection of responses to Pope Francis, the attack on the traditional Latin Mass uh, and the true obedience, and his third book, and true obedience in the Catholic Church. Just what exactly is the purpose of the papacy and how far does its authority extend? We all know in general that the Pope is the visible head of the church and he's supposed to be the rock on which it stands on earth at any rate, and we revere him according to that role. But is the content of faith subject to his reinterpretation? Nope. Revision? Nope. And even cancellation? Nope. Can the venerable traditions loved and followed for centuries be laid out on his workbench and totally reconfigured if he decides one day that he dislikes her pattern or judges them no longer suited for modern men? The answer is no, you can't do that. This no. is where now a new contribution of Dr. Kwasniewski comes to us as a guide. Uh, he, okay, he wrote this two-volume work, and he says he himself was an ultramontanist or hyper-papalist in the John Paul II era when it seemed that the only problem in the church was insufficient obedience to the reigning pope and that he had to wake up gradually to the damage of the cult of papal personality, what it does to the church. So he admits he was there. I was there as well. We'll continue with this well-documented article from uh, Dr. Kwasniewski on hyper-papalism. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency... Dial 888-526-2151. Kudos to Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, who's written a book called The Road from Hyperpapalism to Catholicism. Here's the meat of his article. It says, with today's media, the Pope's words on any and every subject, almost always given at a low level of authority, are broadcast all over the world, and his decisions on personnel and policy are taken as normative, even when there is good reason, prudentially, canonically, or theologically, to challenge them. The tone of the, of the books that he wrote is, is, is set at the start of Volume 1 by a quotation from Cardinal Joseph Hergen Rother, a scholar who wrote an authoritative interpretation of Vatican I's Pastor Aternus. He said the following, quote, The Pope is circumscribed by the conscientiousness of the necessity of making a righteous and beneficent use of the duties attached to his privileges. He's also circumscribed by the respect due to general councils and to ancient statutes and customs, by the rights of bishops, by his relation with civil powers, by the traditional mild tone of government indicated by the aim of the institution of the papacy to feed. So what does feeding look like? And, and, what, and what must it not look like? There's no doubt in the reader's mind through that, though, throughout that Dr. Kwasniewski rejects any sort of Protestant or Eastern Orthodox anti-papalism. He's not setting out to debunk the papacy in his two books. He accepts it entirely as part of the deposit of faith. What he probes, as a scholar rather, is the nature and limits of this office 
and this is a good sentence, nature and limits of this office and makes a careful critique of an overgrowth of the office that ends up breaking continuity with the dogma, morals, and liturgy of tradition. That last sentence was gold right there. Mm-hmm. He also explains why conservatism, which might be summed up as follow whatever the Pope says, and said of Icantism that, for example, a Pope would never act or teach like Francis, therefore he must not be the Pope, are dead ends that do not resolve any of our difficulties, but if anything, makes them worse. Kwasniewski mm-hmm. describes the scope of Volume 1 as follows. Paul, read that last paragraph, then we'll, we'll start commenting. Last paragraph, that yeah. one. The first volume, Theological Reflections on the Rock of the Church, dwells into the role of the papacy in Christ's mystical body on earth and how we may need to adjust our understanding of that role. It is not only the Pope, but also and more fundamentally Christ and the faith entrusted to the church that are the indestructible rock on which we build our lives. The papacy, a limited and temporary office, established to represent Christ, the head of the church, and and to carry out those tasks for which he instituted it until he comes again in glory and abolishes all ecclesiastical offices and ceremonies in the blazing glory of the kingdom of heaven brought to full perfection. There is a sore need to recalibrate our relationship to a papalism that has in the last century and a half, overshadowed and distorted the tradition-centered and continuity-protecting papacy as it had been exercised from the time of the early church with the reign of St. Pius V as a pinnacle. Wow. Wow. That sentence, the papacy is limited and and temporary office. Yeah. 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 And and just, and it's, it's, it's interesting because when you misunderstand uh, Vatican one and Vatican one came at a critical time when the church was really under the gun and under attack by modernism. Um, it, you know, so, so it's like a perfect storm that happened and, you know, yeah. and then, so, so when you, when you misapply, you know, what Vatican one says, and then you, uh, uh, as the writer talks about, you know, hyper, uh, you know, papalism. Yeah. Then you're in, you're in trouble. Uh, you don't understand that the Pope needs to go to confession just as much as we need to go to confession, uh, yeah. possibly. Yeah. But he yeah. definitely needs to go to confession. And 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 the Pope cannot change the faith. That's so important. Uh, which brings us to the next article, Jess, that I think we wanted to touch on before we close it out. Yeah, there's a brill- uh, this is number 32. I'm, I'm keeping count. Pope Francis has sacked or 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 terminated or suspended or fired 31 prelates. And now we have number 32, most of them cardinals and bishops. This is like the fourth priest. A Brazilian priest, Paul, is accused of schism and he faces canonical proceedings in Brazil. Why is that? What did this priest do? Father Fabio Fernandes, that's he's just, he's drawn the ire of the Holy Father. Mm. Yeah. What do you do? Well, he 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 practiced the traditional latin mass uh he, he called the church uh, uh he called the pope out on errors that you know that he's introduced or 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 supported i mean he wasn't uh, raping, for this, he, was, he wasn't raping children or sleeping with the secretary or no, no he wasn't doing no. that 
He wasn't, he wasn't on, a, on a on, no. He wasn't on a homosexual website uh, hooking no. up. No, no. And so once again, just we see those that defend the faith, the faith that has, uh, we're, and we're talking about with the traditional mass. This is the the mass that the great saints all cut their teeth on. This is what sustained them. Uh, uh, and, and this uh, disdain that somehow some prelates within the church have for the traditional Latin mass, uh, for me, it's, it's mind blowing. Uh, it, you know, and, and as you know, Jess, it's a lot more than just saying the mass in Latin. Uh, it is basically a snapshot of the faith, the complete Catholic faith preserved. And now that the modernists have infiltrated the church and trying to use Vatican II as the vehicle to do that and to literally uh, water down the faith so that they can introduce error. And that's what we see. Yeah, good good summary. Yeah. Let's, uh, you know, let's get this straight. It is, uh, we as Catholics can legitimately and respectfully criticize a priest a bishop and the pope that's yes. canon 212 uh paragraph 907 of the catechism of the catholic church you just have mm. to do it respectfully like like dr kwesniski does it he applies mm -hmm. canon 212 all the time all his articles he does it with respect now so hi hyper papalism would be somebody like i was 20 years ago you'd say you never criticize the actions or statements of a priest, bishop, or pope. You never mm -hmm. do that. That was me. I remember that. I was there. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. E e even 20 years ago, I, I did red pill in some instances. Even Pope St. John Paul II, mm -hmm. as good as a, as a pope as he was, he, he could and he should be criticized for certain approaches to things that he did. For example, towards ecumenism. I, I criticized mm -hmm. him 20 years ago, respectfully, the uh, Assisi conferences, praying praying inside of a Catholic church with all these other pagan heads of, of religions, you know, inside of a church, you know, a few feet away from the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, I think the, the ecumenical Assisi prayer gathering, uh, I, I think it was a disaster. And still I respect mm -hmm. St. John Paul II. I think that him kissing the Quran mm -hmm. was a disaster. A disaster. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, there's pictures of him bowing his head and having, you know, shamans pray over him. No, Holy Father, don't let some pagan put his hands over you and pray over you. Don't do that. We, who knows what, the, there could be demonic transference. You're the Pope of the Catholic Church of the Vicar of Christ. Yeah. So as much as I like St. John Paul II, 20 years ago, I, I did have moments where I'm saying he shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. It's, you know, just, yeah. There, there's this natural desire, you know, to to want to, you know, you know, look for common commonalities so that we can come to agreements. But we're not trying to build an earthly kingdom here. This is about this is about the kingdom of God. And guess what? He is Lord. All authority belongs to Christ. And there is no room for compromise. And a lot of people won't like this kind of talk because it sounds like, you know, um, you know, we're elitists or we're, you know, being prideful. But here's the reality. Uh, either Christ is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all, period. OK, end of conversation. Drop the mic. 
Christ is Lord of all. Yeah, you know, Paul, and um, I, 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 I see, and, and I don't judge people individually. You know, whatever position they take, some people will say, you know, I believe in in, in the Pauline principle. You know, you resist Peter to the face when he's saying something wrong, and you have to call him out, like Paul did to Peter in Galatians chapter two. I get that, and I respect that, and I think that's mm-hmm. Canon two twelve. But there's also another school of cap that they'll say, nah. I'm going to take the Genesis 9.22 approach, Jess. I said, what's that? Well, you know, that's when, that's when Ham, uh, you know, the father of, of, of Canaan, he saw his father naked, Noah, and, uh, and, and he covered his father's nakedness. So you'll have another school of cow. And I respect them. I respect them. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has to individually pray through this, how they want to approach this when they see the Holy Father saying something or doing something. Some people say, I'm going to take the ham approach. I'm going to f- cover my father's nakedness. It's not up to me. Let God do the, 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 do the work. But then there's another school of thought, which you're right with canon law, canon 212. Uh, you're, it's a sin of omission to hold, to hold, information will hold information even from a superior if you know that they're doing or saying something that's objectively wrong so so there's a debate amongst catholics how you approach this again i, I think we're right in line with, with the new testament saint paul to peter we're right in line with canon 212 paragraph 907 as long as it's done like dr kwasniewski with respect what say you yeah yeah i say preach the truth in love that's the answer okay we we we, we speak the truth, and we live the faith. That's simple. And if we do that, everything else will happen as it should happen. And, you know, and, you know, for some of us, it might mean persecution. It might mean spirit. Paul got cut off. Let me just mention that I've heard Dr. Peter Kwasniewski say in the past, or uh, Scott Hunter, somebody else said, uh, they said, defend the papacy, do not defend error. I'll repeat it again. Defend the papacy. Do not defend error. I think it's a wrap. We're coming down to the tail end. You've been listening to Jesus 911. Thank you, family. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we love you guys being on with us every Tuesday and Thursday here on Jesus 911 with a two-man cop car. And up next, we got Gary Machuda coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. Stick around. You want to hear more from the big guy. As for us, we are out. Hey, for those of you Catholics in Phoenix, join me tonight. And let's pray the rosary from 7.30 to 9 p.m. over in downtown Phoenix. It's going to be at the Arizona Financial Theater, 400 West Washington Street. 400 West Washington Street. Uh, Law enforcement has been notified. Law enforcement is actually happy that we're going to be there. And uh, they've got our back, so to speak. We'll see you tonight. God bless you. Keep the faith.